Augustus, I'm Jane Mulcahy and Deirdre Kelleher joins me now to discuss cohabitees. Hi Deirdre. Hey Jane, how are you doing? I'm great and you? I'm not too bad, thank you very much. Thanks so much for coming in. Deirdre, you've been researching cohabitees. Yeah, so I'm just after finishing the um, Child and Family LLM below in the School of Law, I was uh, doing it over part-time over two years for the last couple of years. So uh, the grand finale just recently was the dissertation submission at the, in the middle of September. So my topic for the dissertation was the rights of cohabitants in Ireland versus as against, for example, people who are married or um, people who are getting divorced versus you know, people whose relationship breaks down where they are not actually married. Okay. So I was calling them cohabitees. Is, is there... is. Is, is that just preference? Yeah, it's interchangeable. The, the Act would call them cohabitants, all right. Okay. But over the years, the literature has made Referred various, to both. various okay. references. So to it's not a majorly mortifying faux pas. Even okay. No. Okay. So cohabitants then. Um, what are the key differences between uh, their legal status or their rights and those of married people? Okay, well, this was... in. In a nutshell. In a nutshell, what it comes down to is in Ireland we have the Constitution, which we're all very familiar with, and within that the married family is sort of put up on a on a pedestal. You can't enact legislation that will cause any damage to the married family or certainly that will encourage people not to marry. So you have to bear that in mind with any legislation that's enacted. So if people choose just to live together as opposed to marry um, and for many reasons they may do that you know maybe somebody can't marry they're, they're currently married or you know they're they're not divorced something like that or for whatever moral or principled reasons they have not to marry and um, they but they want to live together in an intimate co- intimate relationship together they the biggest differences will be if in the event of their relationship breaking down or if one of them dies they would not have anything similar to the um Automatic, laws automatic or, rights okay. that a married couple would have. So I suppose the, the big one, yes, would be inheritance. So if one person dies and you know, you're not talking about anything kind of um, messy in terms of a, a breakdown or anything like that, if one person dies and they're not married but they have been living together for a long time, they until very recently they had nothing. They had no automatic right to claim against the person's estate. So obviously the person could leave you whatever if, you want. Yeah, if they made a will. If they okay. made a will. But for example, if they died without a will, um, they, there would have been no automatic entitlement for a cohabitant to make any claim against the estate. Legislation that was um, enacted in 2010 and came into effect on the 1st of January 2011 um, changed that slightly so it allows now for within six months of the grant of probate being issued, allows for a cohabitant, a qualified cohabitant, um, which is a whole other uh, creature which I'll mention in a second, um, is, is able to go to court and make a claim against the estate in the event that they either maybe have not been properly provided for or that they have not been provided for at all. Now, that said, there's no guarantee that they'll mm-hmm. get anything. They will be weighed up and compar- you know, by the court. There's very little case law. Mm. We don't know really what the courts are doing with it because when I was doing research, all I could find were two cases that were reported. One dealt with a redress claim and the other dealt with a, a um, succession claim. And in that case, um, the person in question was given an award and that was sort of neat in a way, this case. It uh, went to the High Court. The woman who died 
had never been married and had no children. So there was nobody else sort of competing and competing. Exactly. The the people who were because she died without a valid will in place, um, her under the rules of intestacy, her siblings were up for getting the pot essentially mm-hmm. um is, but um he her partner um took a case on the grounds that you know he had lived in, with her and cared for her for a long number of mm-hmm. years um and he was successful and ultimately it was more down to the fact that they were able to award him two properties they happened to equate to about 45 percent. we don't know if that would be used as a rule of thumb down the line in other case law we just don't know there's mm-hmm. very very little use of this legislation so it makes some some impact for cohabitants you know that they now have the right to apply but they are limited it has to be within a very short time frame you know six months is not a very long time if you're grieving. No. You know, uh, to You want to be very on the ball to you, get... You yeah, really yeah. Um, there's a few other little small things that I came across which I thought were odd. If, if somebody's divorced mm. and when you're divorced, your rights of succession are also extinguished because you're no longer married. But at the same time, the person who's looking after the estate is obliged to find you as a divorcee, find you and notify you that the person is dead. So if you are interested in making oh, a claim against the estate then, you know, you have to kind of be given the option. Mm. It's the other way around if you're a cohabitant. You have to find them. You have to find them. Okay. You have to notify them. And if you don't do that within the six months and they go ahead and they settle out the estate as per the rules, that's it. You've no claim. You can't, once you've passed that time limit, once you haven't made the proper notifications to the proper people, you can't make any more, Mm. you know, that's it. You're you're, you're done. Um, As I said earlier on, the people who are limited in their claims are what I call qualified cohabitants. Mm. So when they were drawing up this legislation, um, they decided they, they defined cohabitants and the big long list. I mean, you're talking about having to kind of prove almost very, very intimate details about your relationship. You know, how do you present yourself to other people? You know, what's the degree of financial dependence? Things like that. Um, the, the length of time you're together? The length of time you're together is what determines what moves you from being a, just a cohabitant to a qualified okay. cohabitant. If you have kids, it's two years. If you are if you don't have children, it's five. You have to be living Oh, really? Together. With the yeah. kids, you don't automatically go qualified? Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no, no. You still have to be there for two years. Okay. Um, Show so that you're serious about the commitment. Absolutely. No, I mean, there's there's logic in that, too. Mm. And I mean, when they when they were drafting this legislation or when they were thinking about drafting it, um, the Law Reform Commission did a lot of work in 2006 on this and one of the key things, the messages that came through from that report over and over was, you know, they didn't want for, you know, anyone who happens to fall into living together, people who are not really in a committed relationship mm. to necessarily automatically have rights, have rights yeah. against each other and things like that. You know, you have to you have to balance that out. I suppose there is public policy issues there. But um, they in order to make any claims under the legislation as it stands, generally speaking, you have to have these minimum time limits um, put down and also you have to um, have, you know, prove a number, you have to to prove that your relationship sort Mm. of fits the bill, you know, that it passes this threshold, something that a married couple would never have have to to do. do. For them, it is enough to prove that you have been into the registry office or have gone to church and have married. We're going to have to move to the next segment fairly soon, but did you you make any policy recommendations or did you come up with any... um, yeah, it kind of uh, recommendations for reform yourself, or I was that part of the research? What struck me was the LRC, as I said, had, did a very comprehensive report back.
back in 06, made a huge number of recommendations, an awful lot of which were not brought in, mostly to do with taxation, things like that, with capital gains tax, with a capital acquisitions tax, things like that. Without any explanation, when it was brought into, when the legislation was being put brought forward in the doll, it was just said, no, we're not doing that. You know, we're, we're, um, we're, we're, it's just, we're not bringing in the taxation recommendations. We are going to bring in the redress scheme. We are going to bring in, um, recognition of cohabitation agreements. But beyond that, we're not doing any more. Without any further explanation, every so often someone asks a question, are we going to improve the situation for cohabitants in relation to taxation against each other, things like that? And the, stock answer seems to be all oh, with the constitution with the the um, position of the married family it will be too onerous um it will be too difficult to try and get a register of people who maybe are living together it will be too difficult to administer and they so it's not a legislative priority basically slightly. so um you could argue that you know in 2011 they had the perfect opportunity to do that and they chose not to and they don't seem to be in any any uh, hurry to do it now. So. Okay, well, dear, you've raised an awful lot of issues there. Maybe we we'll, we we'll get writing to the local TDs, cohabitants. If there are many of you out there, you can you can contact Law and Justice at ninety eight point three FM and uh, state your case, and and you know we'll get Deirdre Keller here on, <laughs> uh, to um, advocate on your behalf. Deirdre, thanks so much for Thank coming so in. Much, really appreciate it.